Welcome to Hill Black Joy Podcast presents Soul Food and War. I'm Lola Troy, the host and curator of Hill Black Joy, the learning platform for our community to heal our Black joy with tangible and attainable programs for the mind-body-soul relationships and businesses. And in today's conversation, we are talking about Hill Black Joy through what we read. Forrest is an Atlanta-based licensed librarian working in television. The queer woman of color is an avid DC comic book collector combating under education and for gender equality. Her love for reading fuels her passions to circulate great literature and resources. The Low Country native is also known for her published poetry in Pen and Brush, TQ Review, a journal of trans and queer voices, and the Apogee Journal. She has also worked in various libraries from academic, small, and public libraries, and even in corporate. So let's get her in. Let's just give a warm welcome, you guys, to Forrest. Ah! Hi, my dear. Hi, Lola. How are you? I am so good. How are you? Oh, man, amazing. I'm loving this lip color. This is gorgeous. You, look you know, awesome. I was trying to match your, your hair, ma'am. I was trying to match your hair. <laughs> Isn't she fab with this purple hair, you guys? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. How, have you, how are you feeling? How's your week been? My week has been great. I, had my, I just turned 49 on Saturday. And I'm, I, it was, you know... When you get to, you know, over your 40s, like they all kind of run together. But for some reason, this 49th birthday has just been yummy. It was it just been yummy, 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 yummy. All the good energy and vibes that I'm hearing from your birthday. Also, happy belated birthday. I'm here for it all. I'm sure you're elevating and exploring and discovering portions of yourself. So I'm excited to see what's next for you and also what you are doing. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm so glad that you are a part of it. I have just been following you. I've been a fan of yours. I love what you do. I love what you do with your content, but I also love how you present everything. I think it's amazing. Amaze balls. Amaze balls, right? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. So this month has been about mindset at Heal Black Joy, our Heal Black Joy community. And I've talked about heal black joy. We talked about heal black joy through what we say, mm -hmm. through what we think, mm -hmm. through our environment. And I want to talk to us about what we read because I think it's super important, you guys, in our community specifically to not take in just junk all the time. We need to take in some good stuff. And reading, I'm an avid reader. I read all the time. I have, uh, my parents are educators, are retired educators. So I didn't have a choice. I had to read, okay? You sound um, like me. <laughs> yeah. So for me, reading was very important. It was a way for me to escape. It was a way for me to get away. It was a way for me to connect mm -hmm. with other people's stories. And mm -hmm. because I write, I am an, I, I'm a lover of, of literature, Okay, so when I saw you, our favorite librarian, you guys, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We've got a favorite librarian, and she's a woman of color, and yes. she's a queer woman of color, and she's just everything with this purple hair. I'm loving it. It's something new. I'm trying something new. I'm about to turn 30, so I'm also... Yes! By also your walk, but also your interest as well as an avid reader and also as a blurred. I consider myself a nerd. Reading is also my way to escape, but also a point of access for other cultures and communities that I generally am not familiar with or frequent primarily or generally in my day to day. 
page. So reading for me is how I have, it was my one way ticket to explore the world. And that's where I gained truly the strength to be myself, but also to express, you know, my passions, my interests, but also to articulate my weaknesses and to verbalize them. Because that's also how I was able to find community, not through my struggles or my weaknesses, but also how I identify, you know, also as a Southerner, I love Southern history, not only Georgia history, but what truly articulates a lot of narratives, as well as the great flight and migration of many other Black contributions to the Black experience. So when I circulate, you know, literature and resources on my platform, I try to hit almost every intersectionality with an unbiased scope. So that way, it's truly a neutral learning environment, similar to what you would engage if you're at a public or academic library, or even in a visual environment like a museum because I actually used to work at a museum uh, before I worked in a library. <laughs> wow. So, wow. Yeah. So you you covered the gamut and I love that and I and it comes across. That's what I love about your page and I love <laughs> about your content that it comes across from a broad vantage point. It's not just one thing but you definitely intersect with culture you know our our race, our uh, our, our our orientation, everything. You come across with every single uh, industry, everything. Like you cover everything. You cover the gamut. So mm -hmm. let's get into some questions. Yes, yes. Come on, let's go. Where did you gain your love for reading books? I always like to ask people that question. Mm, I would have to say my grandmother and also because initially my first schooling after my dad's retirement from the military, I was in a, pri a primarily white environment. And so my grandmother truly taught me to value, you know, non-traditional approach to education, that not only traditional education in a, in a public school setting or private is tangible and essential, but your discovery and your interest and your pursuit of your interest through what you read is also as valuable and essential and how you apply that also reflects your commitment to yourself as you refine and strengthen who you are and discover and elevate to your highest self and so my grandmother truly put that that influence into me of exploring different genres but again being in a primarily after the military a primarily white environment, having access to other communities and other identities in the Black community are what's a part of the Black experience I didn't have in my day-to-day. -day. So picking okay. up at or Essence and looking at Cicely Tyson or looking at old vintage comic books or reading either a children's title or a young adult title like The Color of Water uh, by James McBride or reading like Sula by Toni Morrison. It gave me a perspective of other life, other struggle, other identity, other pursuits, other strengths, but also other Black joy, other Black happiness, other Black love, other Black... Um, solitude you know oftentimes we enjoy the company of others but when you read that commitment to yourself that self-discipline is me time you're enjoying yourself and you're allowing others you're teaching others through teaching yourself how to love you how to complement that joy that comes from within and that happiness and so reading afforded me that opportunity to refine and have multiple experiences in that and that's where the joy in reading came for me that's amazing. I love how you said that. It allowed you to gain different experiences than what your present day reality was at that time, right? I think that's awesome. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids, specifically, you know, young adults that don't love reading, it's because there's it's something that they don't identify with. It's something that they don't. I remember now that I think about it, it's coming back to me now. You remember, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. I'm telling, I'm really telling my age right now. But when we were younger in school, you had this, you know, you had to read a hundred books, you know, during the summer, yeah. right? And a lot of times people were reading the books to go to the party, you know, because they would always celebrate with, if you did a hundred books, you had to show that you did a hundred books and mm -hmm. either you would get like a pizza party or something like that. 
But for I me, because <laughs> a lot of people were doing that for the pizza, right? Me mm -hmm. specifically, I lived a couple of blocks from the library. So the library was my hangout spot. Ah. That was my ah. hangout spot. And now I'm thinking about it. It's like literally coming back to me as I'm talking to you because you took me back when you said getting other experiences. I would literally be in the library as a kid up until the time that the library closed reading a book. To have most of my experience as a child, I can, uh, I can attach it to my time at my public library. Yes. You know, something similar to exploring my independence, similar to yourself at the library as my hangout spot, that's really what I experienced once I gained my independence when I was able to drive on my own. Because whether I was after school or I would also skip school to go to the library. I was one of those nerds. Oh, um, my it was. I'm not going to lie because my library was next to my church. So those two areas for me were a haven during my adolescence and a library for me provided an experience of how not only our government works, but how democracy works, where if I don't see myself on the shelf or something I like, I can raise my concerns and through a process, I can gain that access. So I was able to explore my interests and that's when I pursued law school. That's something that not many people do know. I'm a law school dropout. Um, but I'm thinking about going back um, as a librarian, as a licensed librarian. That's my joy. That's my passion. But I feel as though one of the greatest challenges for myself is to obtain my joyous doctorate, my JD, because not that I can't do it or that I'm not willing to. It's how committed I am to myself to achieve that goal because many of us are goal oriented uh, because we've always been conditioned to that reward system through school, through being that, that institution. As yeah. this, like, like what you mentioned, as accelerated reader programs, you have a goal, you meet it, and then afterwards, what happens next? Have you applied the information, this you know, standardized testing? Has it truly reflected your you know, compensation or understanding and comprehension of what you uh, obtain? Especially, does it measure your refinement of certain comprehension skills and reading fluency? Does it measure, you know, how well you can get through a novel or even interpret it and truly reflect in your own wording certain character arches and how you can apply or see that in your own life, certain, certain similarities. And so, oh, man. <laughs> that I feel like Get very deep. <laughs> you can go as deep as you want to. As a matter of fact, I have a question from one of our Hill Tribe members and I Hill Hill Black Joy Tribe members. And I, before I get into my question, I want to ask her question. Thank you, Perry Simone. So she says, considering that Black Joy is not prominently displayed in the mainstream realm, how did you find these books that displayed Black Joy? One, were they difficult to find? Two. And we're all and we're all of them easy to relate to. Three. So that was the, layered, but I love it. It was great question. I love that. One of the best ways to find literature that reflects your intersectionality or how you identify or truly your anticipated weaknesses that you're trying to better refine so you can utilize your strengths is one. I explored online first through specific platforms like Goodreads or even the Book Black community on Instagram, on Twitter, as well as, believe it or not, the comment section provides community. Remember, communication and collaboration is a strength of a community. And through that, you're able to find a circulation of information or resources. And there, as many people do in my own comment section, they find community because many book clubs have actually been cultivated through my comment sections. But that, that's where I was able to find certain other like minds and what they were reading as they shared that with me. So for example, 
um, a book for one shelf, I actually discovered after reading uh, the Black Trans Player book, Prayer Book, and I just I followed the authors and I was you know looking and lurking underneath their comment section. That was until other people were sharing what they were reading or what they were going through in other podcasts and you know podcasts and other platforms of expression or areas of expression also provide a wealth and a circulation of information. And I truly believe that reading is a fulcrum. It provides you a balance and it did for me and so when I would go on to Amazon books and I would look in the comment section or Goodreads or I would look at the black book books bookstagram community on Instagram or Twitter yeah. even on TikTok I was able to find one community I too was able to gain the confidence to communicate my interests with you know replying to other people or messaging even other people and three starting to provide that visibility not to be hyper vigilant but I wanted to put myself out there so that way not only as a reader but as a writer because I express myself not only you know as a reader you're a sponge you absorb what's in yeah. front of and then through how you express yourself and your strengths you squeeze out the nuggets of goodness of wisdom and insight and that's truly what I believe all readers are, but also as a writer, as a published poet, I try to apply what I know, but also utilize my own personal experiences, excuse me, and as well as what I enjoy, excuse me. I am a Bukowskian. I love Charles Bukowski, who is a white, almost, oh man, uh, misogynist is what many people would consider but his tone is something that I grew up with with a lot of other brash southern aggressive men that I loved throughout my family and family friends and so those similarities of tone I relate to and I've been able to interpret because art imitates life it's one yeah of the yeah so, you know, duplicate that in my own art. So it's almost a full circle as a, a reader and as a writer. I love the fact that you are open to another experience, even though if it might be offensive, but because you found the similarities of the tone of the writer in people that you love, I never have thought about that concept. And now I got to go back and say, hmm, maybe there's a book that I need to listen to, need to read, or maybe there's a song that I need to listen to because I can mm -hmm. find some similarity in my own experience through what, and I know I can do that in music, but I don't, I don't think I've ever explored that thought when it comes to books. Mm. Well, you know, books, it's a window and it's a door and it's a, a point of access where through, your, again, your self-discipline and your openness to explore the otherness of other opinions, of other perspectives that unbeknownst you, you knew existed. And so when I explore the work of Bukowski, there's a there's a lack of openness on his end. And so I'm able to explore how he arrived at those conclusions of xenophobia, how he um, maintained or developed an intolerance for certain, you know, feminine, feminist uh, theories or expressions, or even, you know, certain uh, brands of sexuality or sensuality and the female body. And so it allows me to truly not articulate toxic masculinity, but the spectrum of masculinity. Mm. And, and be interpreted and expressed. That's good. That's good. And I'm sure it mimics people that you experience right now. It's you. you we oh, yeah. we're we're in that present day misogynistic. Uh, that was one thing I would say that if if I were to say why it, and I don't want to get into a political conversation, but when Trump got in office. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I felt like because he was a Republican or somebody was a Democrat, it wasn't that that bothered me. When I was worried about him running and him winning, it was about I felt like he was going to polarize division. Mm -hmm. So there was this great divide when he came in. When he was campaigning, it was, you know, the haves and the have-nots, the Democrats and the Republicans, the Blacks and the Whites. 
it was just just this great divide and I now have to go back and look at how I'm examining the opposite of my the the things that I love the people that I love maybe I can look at it from another vantage point so maybe I can understand them because sometimes I don't understand our counterparts that are of the of another color or of another uh, spiritual experience or another orientation or another you know just opposite of, of me because it does take all kinds to make the world go round and although I need to understand it I am concerned about our people in it exactly yes. yeah there's a book called Black Fatigue where it talks about how stress, whether internalized or passed down through generational trauma, how it saturates the consciousness and how when we move throughout life that we, not in a sense of what Du Bois talks about, the double conscious, but what you're also speaking about, which I completely agree about. So during that time of Trump, I believe that he capitalized off of what many people um, are motivated off or from, which is fear. He yeah. utilized, you know, is a fear which ultimately divides. And as money, which is an illustration of classism and, and, and the class system, is an equalizer. Money is the greatest equalizer. And then we also have race and heritage because when you do not know yourself or are able to explore yourself, others are able to utilize that. There are infrastructures built upon the ignorances of many communities. So when you don't utilize one of the greatest resources, reading, others are able to capitalize off of your ignorances and your fears and motivate you through almost, and almost, it's almost subconscious and conscious because you're aware, but through your, through your lack of awareness of self, you're not truly aware of the power you've relinquished to others and how it has provided you certain motivation throughout your life. <laughs> mm, now you're getting deep, Forrest. Now you're getting deep. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, at the beginning of the year, everybody does this. I need a reset. I need a, I need a, I need to change what I eat. I need to exercise. I need to do all these things, right? And since we're talking about mindset in the month of January for Hill Black Joy Tribe, it's the first of the year. What are some good mindset things, books, or healing books to read for 2022? Because I think it's it's important to get your body right. And it's important, you know, what you take in and how you exercise and all those things. But it's also important what we exercise and put into our mind because mindset is everything it drives every other thing that we're trying to achieve or trying to accomplish when it comes to our goals and 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 we're trying to everybody's trying to lose weight everybody's trying to do all these things right but if your <laughs> mindset is not right it's not sustainable that's why people can work out you know the first month of january and by valentine's day they're ready to go eat cake Mm -hmm. Well, I believe, you know, first of all, your inner child and your consciousness, your mindset never leave you. And so I believe regardless of what time of the year or season you're in, first of all, number one, your commitment to self is one of your greatest priorities. You are your greatest priority. You can only give people what you have. And so if you're not able to give yourself 100%, any reflection or expression of what you can pour into someone's cup will never meet what you could give or share with the world or yourself. And so one, your commitment to yourself. And however that looks like, first you define that through exploring your dislikes and your interests. That's where you can figure, okay, for me, I enjoy reading comic books. I enjoy reading novels. Any other genre of literature it overwhelms me and so through these genres of literature I find a specific subject that I like and so I challenge others to explore different genres outside of self-help to see what truly motivates them and that's the second thing define or in your way before you can define anticipate discover and then define what motivates you as you previously mentioned fear motivates many of us but also through many of our our maturing goal-based learning or goal-based is also what motivates us. But when we define truly what motivates us, we also articulate what fuels that passion. Mm. And us, 
as an artist, you know, the question that many of my um, creator friends we cultivate is, what is the source of your creativity? Is it struggle or pain or is it freedom and liberation? Because in the great words of Toni Morrison, you know, the true purpose of freedom is to free others. But, you know, that's something that you have provided yourself and def have defined for yourself before yeah. you your own. It's almost, as I like to say, the Sankofa effect, but the Tubman effect, you know, I can't give you what I, I can't have. So one, through your commitment of self, two, defining, you know, what motivates you. And then three, community, defining your support corner or your, your tribe whether it's online primarily whether it's in person for myself i'm an introvert so two-thirds of my community my tribe are online and the rest are in person here in the down south because of how i recharge but i have to find that for myself and then through my language because we all speak in different languages all different love languages through different traumas through different um resolutions through different ideas we express what we expect what we gain what we look for what we receive and how we are going to react and receive it and we teach others not how to love us that that terminology is very loosely we teach others how to complement our joy and happiness because you share your joy and happiness from within you don't find it and i truly believe that true joy true change true love true happiness true black joy comes from within and then you share it yeah and through that you create the environments you're in can i just take that what you said and make that my <laughs> my moniker i love how you put that together oh my <laughs> god it's like you're taking my thoughts in my brain but you are disseminating the information from a from a very cerebral just amazing <laughs> space. I love it. I love it. So what so what motivates you? Like what when you think about mindset and healing books in 2022, what are you reading? What are Ooh. you reading? So I love comic books. I'm a huge DC fan, but also children's books. Believe it or not, some of the greatest life lessons or depictions of certain cardinal points on your moral compass, you can find in a children's book. And so um, there's a book actually that I'm reading or that I just picked up called You Are Not Alone. It's by a Grammy award-winning um, Alphabet Rockers and it's illustrated by Ashley Evans. So it's a great black illustrator, great black author, but just in its illustration of different intersections, but also major emotions like anxiety, anger and how to identify how to navigate and how to go through them not to suppress or to snub them of their importance but to walk through each emotion and to figure out how to utilize them for the betterment of yourself to support yourself and then others around you not those that you love but all of those around you you know when you elevate to your higher self others around you that experience your light they find guidance. There's light and guidance with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that you're an advocate and a member of the LGBTQ community. Stand up. If there's <laughs> any anybody who struggles with their sexual orientation or they have parents who don't understand that journey but want to have an open dialogue with their with their children what mm -hmm. is a good book to help them because i know that you know right now we we're having conversations like every industry is having to have conversations of sensitivity and diversity right mm -hmm. and we still have a generation of people that don't understand the lgbtq community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're not trying to understand it they're not trying to learn it they got mm -hmm. that brass sense of construct where they're not going to open up their mind to a new way of life this is just where we are today so we're having conversations that we haven't had before so if you have a parent or a grandparent that that struggles in that area they have that weeble wobble they love their grandchild or they love their child but they don't understand that journey and they don't know what to say what is a book that could help them 
Mm, okay, so first, a book I believe that would help any parent, educator, guardian, or any reader where they are in their life of age would be the Queen's English, uh, the LGBTQIA Dictionary of Lingo, a Lingo and Colloquial Phrases by Chloe O. Davis. So this book is not only a pictorial guide, but it also is a historical timeline and provides origin of history. So you're able to see how the Black experience includes queer narratives, whether trans, non-binary, lesbian, gay, or wherever amongst the spectrum. But this book is by a Black author. And so it provides that visibility of where many people don't believe that excellence and that um, where that joy and that happiness and that Black love exists. You know, Black love expands amongst every contributor of the Black experience. And so when you have a book like this, this is a perfect reference title, but also it meets someone exactly where they are. And I think that's the purest definition of a reference title. It meets the reader where they are and it elevates them amongst every time they open the title and apply with and, you know, this book, I believe, is also a great conversation starter because it's not a coffee book title. You're bound to open this book up and also share it. I have shared, I've discussed this title. I've met with the author virtually. I've done a book talk with her, with Cherish Books and More, which is one of the oldest feminist book clubs of oldest feminist book stores in the country and also in Georgia. So this book, The Queen's English by Chloe O. Davis, I would definitely recommend to any educator, parent, guardian, or reader of any age that wants to explore or, and you know, I say this strongly and passionately, that an open mind reflects an open heart. And when you open a book that meets you where you are, this becomes your friend. It's not just a book. It's your friend. And for myself as an introvert, you know, like I said, majority of my tribe is virtual and a third is in person. So books are my true friends. You know, I'm a huge, huge lover of Zerona Hurston. Without her, I probably wouldn't have the confidence I have to invest in myself as an adult and as an adolescent. So what encourages me is my past self because I still see that girl every day. And I still reparent that girl every day. And so new pieces of literature that I pick up and read, we share that experience. It's not just one version of, of Forrest of me. It's multiple versions of me that pick up any book. So if you, for experience like that, definitely pick up this book, The Queen's English. <laughs> I love something that you said. I got to go back the whole, because I'm teaching a class right now. Uh, with a, with a, a girls group, and we just went through reparenting the inner child, right? Mm. Reparenting the inner child because I believe that we are only as good as what we what we haven't healed. So you're speaking from a filter of what hasn't been healed. You're living from a filter that what hasn't been healed. You're reacting from a filter that what hasn't been healed and if you don't go back to reparent that 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 inner child then you're you're basically your emotional age is that inner child whatever trauma you experienced at that moment right so when you said that reparenting the inner child are you utilizing the book in helping you reparent that inner child Oh, yes, because in that process of reparenting, I'm teaching the inner child force to build trust with me. So that way, when we are triggered, or excuse me, when I'm triggered, or when I meet certain emotions that I've yet to explore, that I am not reacting through an adolescent lens or where I was snubbed or stubbed emotionally, but where I have healed and where I've met myself through my highest self at the moment, and then I do the best that I can. And this book truly has taught me about myself, but also how to meet others where they are and figure out the rest there. Sometimes everything doesn't need to be planned out. As a type A personality, it's so easy to, and also as an older child, anticipating others' needs is, is almost accustomed through certain traumas that I've been, I've been through, but resolving them and exploring them, I've understood that I can meet people where they are and also people are able to verbalize the help they need or we can we can discuss that through the language that we've cultivated through our rapport or mm. through that 
our frequency of communication, whether nonverbal or verbal. And that's where titles like this provides you that insight. I love it. I love it. I think um, I think in our community, because it's still it's not as taboo as it was, you know, when I was growing up. But I think now people are starting to have the conversations that they couldn't have 20 years ago with their children. And and this generation, because my daughter's 20, that generation, they are coming out the womb like all these constructs that you guys have. It ain't working for me. Right. <laughs> We're done. I'm not doing it like we, we're not getting ready to do that. We're not getting ready to sit here with all this trauma, you know, mm -hmm. that you guys are dealing with. I'm going to be in your face and I'm going to, I'm going to look you in your face and tell you, no, what you did and how you're acting right now is not working for me. So do better. <laughs> my daughter has been, I always say that she's been my greatest teacher uh, when it comes to my triggers, when it comes to, you know, the things that I experienced as a child, because as a mother, if you're trying to be a good parent, you always want to do better for your child you always want to have that re the representation of of being a better parent than you were parented so I have to do a lot of self-reflection a lot of self-reflection and in that self-reflection it came where I literally had to pick up a book and say I don't know it all I haven't figured this out so let me let me let me read to find out if somebody else is having this experience and how do they navigate their way out of this situation? Or what am I supposed to say to my daughter when she asks me a question that stops me in my tracks and I have no answer for her? I need a resource. I need somebody <laughs> to tell me what I need to say to her, right? So with that being said, books were very instrumental in me being a parent. Mm -hmm. Also in me, you know, going through divorce. All my experiences that I've had, I can always say that I could I could go to a book to, that has helped me, whether it was somebody's autobiography, because I like autobiographies. I'm like my dad. My dad reads a lot of autobiographies. He's he's an autobiography really? buff. Oh yeah, he's an autobiography buff. He loves any autobiography about anybody. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, it doesn't matter. He loves them. And he I guess he kind of turned me on to it too. So I love autobiographies, but in those stories and in, you know, stories that are, are not autobiographies, I was able to pull from those experiences to help me be a better mom. You know, uh, my sister's in, in the midst. She says, yes, God sends books, people, and lessons. Books, mm. people, and lessons. That's good. That's good, Tanya. That's Damn good, Tanya. You're very so, correct, honey. Absolutely. When you think about who's your, I, I didn't ask you this. Who is your favorite author? Was was it the gentleman that you spoke of before? Ah, my favorite author would have to be, of course, the Queen, Zora Neale Hurston, but secondly, Shanghai, because I love her novel, Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo. That's my favorite novel in the world, because it explores Gullah Geechee and Low Country heritage, but also it's an intergenerational story of you know, four Black women, three sisters and a mom. And it talks about how their dynamic as a mother and a daughter. And each individual mother-daughter relationship is different, but also how it shapes their adult, how it shapes their adulthood, but also how they define sisterhood through their intermediate family, but also with other women and how they support other women. And something that, you know, that Audre Lorde speaks about in Eye to Eye, Black Women Hatred, and the use of anger when she talks about how black women utilize um, a source of or the residue of anger and how sometimes throughout um, cultivating the right words or terminology or intentions, we project certain negative emotions onto other black women because we see certain things in them we don't like in ourselves, but it, we're able to verbalize that in others, but not tell ourselves that. And so with that title, Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo, you're able to explore so many flares and avenues of sisterhood, but also individuality and sensuality with other women and how it looks like in other bodies through different ages. 
And I just love that title. Like, oh, if I had to pair myself with any character, it would have it would have to be Indigo because I love her braveness, but also with the energy that she leads with throughout her throughout her adolescence, but also the minstrel scene in that book with her and how she articulates her womanhood, but how she grips to her innocence and her adolescence when she explores that when I walk through this door, this this benchmark of adulthood that I'm yeah. really certain things almost biblically biblically but that i'm also gaining a wealth of insight about myself and yeah. so definitely can you say that say the name of that book again and i i i want to say i want you to say it so that everybody gets it because they're like okay what is this book again what is this book again <laughs> oh actually it is sassafras Cypress and Indigo by Shanghai, S-H-A-N-G-E. Um, it's about a 200-page read. Um, if you do not like to sit with a small novel, definitely check it out on audiobook. You can read it as you're cooking, going throughout your day. You can definitely get through it within a day's time, within like six hours. It's a beautiful read. I definitely recommend it to anyone that's looking for some feminist theory or for some low country or anything that explores um, Black femininity, Black sensuality. Also, um, alternative spiritual alternative spiritual practices because it, it explores certain West African practices of spirituality, but also of liberating the soul and the consciousness through certain communal practices that we don't see in certain traditional um, areas of Christianity or certain things of Catholicism, um, which is also another large um, practice within the Black community. I mean, not many people really value, you know, there's a, a great wealth of Black Christians, but also a great wealth of Black uh, Catholics uh, so, you know, we have that there. <laughs> I love that because um, I, I love that you're talking about spirituality because and, and, and we 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 push the envelope at Hill Black Joy because I always like to put information out there that is cognitive dissonance to the regular everyday going african-american experience right and as you said our african-american experience because we were it was passed down to us christianity in a way that um of is void of our own spirituality from africa right i think now because we've got so many mediums of resources we're now starting to tap back into our thing. I just had a conversation with a brother last night that I'm going to interview in, in a month or so, but I can't wait to have this conversation with him because we were talking about how, like you said, we are we have that reward system theory. Like you do a thing, it's goal-oriented, and then you get a reward for it. It's almost similar to or in conjunction with uh, we have to have external validation. We've been groomed to have external validation, right? So we have our parents clapping for us when we, you know, get good grades or, you know, you get a reward for that. Or um, I love you from a reward system. If you do your homework and you do your chores, I'm going to reward you mm -hmm. because you've done those things. Or if you play basketball and you make a shot, or you throw a football to someone and they run it down to the end of the field and they do a touchdown. Everybody's praising that person. Everybody's praising that person. But then when you become an adult, because you learn these things as children, when you become an adult and you don't have somebody there readily giving you external validation, mm -hmm. we start thinking, are we worthy? Are we, you know, who am I? Nobody's saying these things to me. Nobody's loving me because we've been groomed to think that somebody is supposed to give us this validation. And mm -hmm. so I love the fact that we are getting back to our roots, getting back to the power that's within, getting back to uh, internal validation because we have it within us. But because we've been thinking outside of ourselves, we gotta we gotta look for something outside of us to give us validation. We don't feel mm -hmm. like we have power. 
we don't feel like we have the strength or the mental fortitude to do a thing. Mm -hmm. So I love, I love you're talking about that. I'm, I'm now I gotta go read this book. <laughs> also, I also paired that with some Black Buddhist literature. Believe it or not, um, through a friend of mine who is, she's one of the greatest illustrations of just. The, being committed to yourself and manifesting what you envision. She's an attorney as well. They're an attorney as well. And just in her articulation, how she has explored the core principles of Buddhism with me has helped me to understand that I can obtain certain joys from other practices as long as I invest and explore the literature to know how to properly apply it to also arrive to the conclusions that this practice or this, um, and I wouldn't call it necessarily a faith, but unless I would definitely call it a practice because it's a discipline. And right. I mean that as it's something that you're committed to every day. It's a conscious choice to the point where as you explore different different contributors of the literature that you also explore different communities as they practice it so that way you can gain your own interpretation and then also articulate that as you master your understanding of such and so yes sassify cypress and ego let me know how you enjoy the title you know first of all what's your favorite novel or book i i knew you were going to ask me that um <laughs> Oh, I've been, I've been, because I'm, because I started this entrepreneurial journey last year for Hill, for Hill Black Joy, I've been reading everything manifestation, everything uh, related to neuro linguistic programming. I've been reading things about manifestation, those things. So like Joe Dispenza is mine, the placebo effect. Um, I love uh, I, I love Brene Brown. I love how Brene Brown talks about shame. Um, I I am an avid Esther Hicks and Abraham Hicks uh, lover. Yeah. Um, I think that those books, especially uh, especially asking it is given. That's mm -hmm. a book that I think that if you're trying to truly learn how to manifest. I think that asking it is given will show you and give you direction and how to manifest certain things. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been reading like for, I would say for pleasure, you know, just sitting back and just turning the pages of a book because I haven't had a chance to really do that because I've been trying to build this platform, mm -hmm. but I've been really into self-help and uh um, things that that push my mindset forward, that push my mindset forward, or give me another avenue of how to think about something. So those are what I'm. That's what I'm reading right now. Mm, okay, I want to definitely pair a title with what you're reading or have read to okay. maybe your interest with other avenues of elevation. Sure, I'm, I am open. Okay, um, so Black Girl Bliss is a, a collection of women, Black women that provide the best circulation of insight, but they have a title called Key, Key Prayers. Um, it's sacred and central rituals for wild women of color, as well as they have the title called Please, which is, for rad which is a book of self-care for radical women. But again, it's by uh, Black Girl Bliss. It's called P-U-S-S. Prayers. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, title is entitled Please. But if you're looking for something more in depth that really in tune with Black womanism, check out Queen of Fua. Oh, I woman. love Queen of Fua. I love oh. Queen of Fua. Yeah, I love Queen of Fua. You I actually, I actually, my best friend uh, takes uh, her son's her son's vitamins and gets her protein from her son because her son uh, holistically sells products that are you know are for your body to help you detox and and of course get in a better health space. So mm -hmm. I love Queen of Fua. She actually yeah. did her program a few years back. So I'm very familiar with Queen of Fua. I'm very familiar with her her literature as well as her her green juice, making sure that you, you're drinking green juice. Oh yeah, she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh man, Sacred Woman really changed my life. Um, I discovered it later in life um, in grad school 
but just going through the different cycles of women, 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 and just uh, understanding certain sacral times of the day and how it aligns with me, it was just oh, insightful. So I love that title. As well as Yesterday I Cried by um, Iyala Van Zandt. A lot of people um, don't receive her as well, um, but some of her literature, there's some Easter eggs. Not all, not all can be saturated in your consciousness, but she does provide some nuggets of wisdom that I'm like, mm, just, you know, keep open heart to it. <laughs> but you know what I can say, and I call her Queen Iyanla. I love Iyanla because I think that Iyanla, like you said about the author that has that brash tone, Iyanla has that brash tone like your auntie that will get you together really quick, right? So she's relatable in that sense where it's like, Oh, my auntie's about to get me together because I done did something I wasn't supposed to do. But she's about to get me, she's about to gather me up real quick and tell mm -hmm. me about herself, tell me about myself. And I can respect that. I can actually accept what she's saying to me because I relate to her. I understand her journey has been my journey. You know? So I can take in Ayala. I don't have a problem taking her in. I know a lot of people don't like that brash tone but they don't like that brash tone because it's it's reminiscent of something that they've experienced that they've been traumatized by mm, when you when you're healed like you were saying that we all speak different languages when you've been healed from things that you're not traumatized by anymore you can take the information in it's like what my dad and my grandfather used to tell me eat the bones eat the eat the meat and throw the bones away they also, you guys, also, you guys, my best friend's in here. Uh, she put in Queen of Four's son's website, which is uh, www.supermegafoods.com. So if you want to look up his uh, his uh, vitamins and his, his all of his products, you want to go there. www.supermega.com. Supermegafoods with an S.com. Okay, someone says Madam Iyala can be brash, but that doesn't come through in her literature. Very yeah. true. Very, mm -hmm. very true. Yes. Very, very true. I think her TV show made her come across brash, but it was because the things that she was presented with, the stories that she was presented with, sometimes people can't hear from that place of, oh, sweetheart, we need to do X, Y, and Z, beloved, right? She's like, no, not on my watch. <laughs> That's my favorite line. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. <laughs> not on my watch. I missed that. Oh, but she's really helped many lives, not only just in the Black community, but if many people remember following her, the first few seasons, she helped a range of communities. Black, queer, white, Hispanic, Latina, Asian. So it goes to show that Black content can be applied to any life and can be life changing, mm -hmm. not community. And so there's a seed of goodness there that I hope many people understand that when I say black literature and when I circulate it, it's beautiful, but it's valuable in anyone's hands. Mm. So as a queer woman of color, I want to ask this question where where's your black joy where do you get your black joy from oh i get my joy through mm, through discovery of self and my community you know even at 29 i'm about to turn 30 in a month and a half lord jesus yes come on 30 come on 30 <laughs> yes but you know I'm not going to lie, where I envision myself, I have exceeded that through just being open to what the universe can provide and what I can show myself. Mm. And, you know, I was at once motivated by fear. There were certain choices I wouldn't take or thoughts I wouldn't share in fear of a lack of understanding or being received warmly. But that was 
upon my expectations of what I wanted others to receive me as and how I wanted them to view me. And I had to really detach myself from certain mentalities where I was always engaged in the double consciousness and I was performing almost. I was performing to get through the day in order to be what I wanted instead of being what I needed. And through mm. those detachment, at least in those attachments, I was able to elevate and really shape my thinking, express myself differently, you know. And yes. It's really helped my joy and happiness. And I've been able to better support the friendships, the bonds, the collaborations, and the community I reflect and am a part of. You know, some of my greatest friendships come from, because I only have a little brother, from my sorority sisters, from my friends in college and high school, and again, online. And so through me maintaining these, you know, great relationships, I've been able to see areas that trauma has lived with me, mm. from, and I'm ready for it to go. It's a big shit. go. <laughs> well, let me, say th let me say this as you are embarking on that journey of turning into a, the next decade. And this is just this is just an older sister, you know, speaking oh, to my younger sister, right? Just a little wisdom. Okay. Because women, we go through these stages of growth, and a lot of times it's either every five years or every ten years. It's those markers, those those mark those milestone birthdays, right? Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, my older sister, my oldest sister, said to me, she said, "Lola, and I remember when I was uh, embarking on that." Uh, getting to be 30 and she said you know when you turn 30 in your 20s you're so looking to uh people please where we 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 we, we if somebody asks us to do something even though we might not want to do it we'll tell them yes because we don't want them to be heard or angry with us right well when you get and discover in your 30s that discovery period of life which is so yummy i will say <laughs> you will be able to say no because now, like you said, you can detach yourself from the outcome of what other people think and how they feel about you because you're such, in such self-discovery in your 30s. You start really getting into that womanhood, which is really, really yummy, and you start uh, appreciating and having an affinity for what you like, what you love, and you have no problem telling people no. Mm. Now, let me tell you about your let me tell you about your forties. It's gonna take you ten years <laughs> to get there. But baby, when I tell you those forties, when they come around, they're gonna come around in a space where you're gonna say no with authority. You're gonna be able to say no with authority, and it's not a problem. You don't even think about the outcome of what somebody, you might think about it in your thirties. You're going to be okay. If they, if they, if they're, you know, not, if they're bothered by it or not in your forties, you don't even care. And my okay. oldest sister told me, Oh, wait till you get to your fifties. You might not even have an answer for them. <laughs> right. I love it. Love it. Love it. So I got a question. Uh, Ooh, this is another question from my dear goddaughter. Unapologetically, as my sister says, no. And it's a complete sentence. Unapologetically. I have a question from the gallery. Our Hill Black okay. Joy Tribe, Perry Simone, my goddaughter. What do you think Black literature is missing? Great question. Ooh. Mm. More Black <laughs> That more black what? More black illustrators that collaborate with black artists. You know, often see black images with black with white authors, and that interpretation because it's an interpretation, it's not a contribution to the black experience. It is. It is. It is essential to some to understand a distant or distant interpretation of the black life or black excellence. But when you have a black illustrator collaborating and working constantly with a black writer, it's almost a synergy that not only makes sense, but it provides, it encourages others. 
And so I, you know, when I read or when I held up the book, You Are Not Alone, this is by a Black illustrator and a Black author to whom is also a, a musical artist. So you have that creativity on so many other spectrums where they're able to just cultivate Black excellence. You know, as a great word from Donnie Hathaway says, from the pool of Black excellence, that's what you're able yes. to just... So I I hope to see more Black illustrators collaborate with Black authors. I do. I I, I think that's important too because because one we can speak to our experience where, like you said, they're they're interpreting our experience, but we've lived this experience. This is our experience, right? And mm -hmm. you've said this word a lot tonight, and I I love it, and that's community. I love community. I think Gabrielle Union, I was watching the interview where she was talking about um, her experience uh, going through uh, surrogacy with her daughter. And she said that she didn't really have a lot of community that she could pull from when it came to that particular uh, experience in her life. And so she wrote her books based on the fact that she wanted other people to be able to to have community with her and see what her experience was so that they're not shy in the sense that they can't go to the next person to say hey because we're we, we we sit in silence a lot of times we sit in silence because we're afraid to ask in our community hey have you had this experience and mm -hmm. books as you said gives mm -hmm. you community when you might not feel comfortable enough going out and asking your sister or your brother, hey, can you talk to me about this particular thing? I'm going through something and I don't really know what to do. I don't really know what to say. Books definitely can give us, you know, a vantage point that we wouldn't have if we don't go and ask our brother and our sister. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. You have articulated that so well. Books do provide a point of community because for those that don't want to explore interests like um, abstinence dating or Christian abstinence dating or infertility in Black women or infant morality rates in the Black community, many people will explore these topics in a book and then when they, like myself, develop the confidence to discuss these topics openly, then we explore community outside of our own thinking and mind. And so books like, and titles like uh, We Need Something Stronger Than This by Gabrielle Union um, that she just released, that book really explores a, a nugget of vulnerability that provides visibility, but it doesn't make you hypervigilant to just want to share or to really explore certain things that you open out so you knew that you needed to explore that were attached to certain um, weaknesses or certain emotions that aren't as positive. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I, I love our community, and I, I'm noticing that your book community has been in listening to our conversation tonight. What are you working on, Miss Forrest? What is our favorite librarian working on? Oh man, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that. Um, so I have a podcast, Favorite Librarian, the podcast, which is available everywhere. But um, like I previously mentioned, I'm an introvert, so I'm challenging myself to get in front of the camera. Um, I no longer work at a special research library solely dedicated to Black excellence and literature. I now work in television. Um, I, that's where most of my background is outside of an archives. So working back in this platform has given me the opportunity to get back in front of the camera on my own platform. And so I'm hoping by the end of March, my birthday month, shout out to the Pisces. Okay, I'm Pisces. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping to um, expand into YouTube. That way there's another um, avenue where others can build a rapport with me and that trust. Because many people always constantly ask me if I'm a real librarian. Um, how old am I? Am yeah. I really I am? You know, <laughs> are you going to yeah. call me? All that. But um, yeah, so I, I want to add more, um, not access to me, but more um, transparency of Got who it. I am to Got build it. more my audience. And what's the name of your podcast? 
Oh, my podcast is Favorite Librarian, the podcast. It's everywhere, Spotify, Amazon, Google, um, iTunes, everywhere. Or you can check out the link in my uh, bio, favoritelibrarian.com, or again, it's Favorite Librarian, the podcast. Uh, and my recent episode was episode 10. Uh, we featured uh, Ashley Meadows, who was a wonderful attorney. Um, yes, and uh, avid reader as well. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, you guys... Uh, I'm telling you, this conversation has been yummy. I don't know if, if you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. This has been a yummy conversation with a favorite librarian. I cannot thank you enough for the, the expertise, your transparency, your vulnerability with us and our Hill Black Joy Tribe. So I really appreciate you coming on tonight. I know you're extremely busy. You're booked and busy. And um, I just thank you for sharing your 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 beautiful purple Pisces energy with our Hill Black Joy tribe. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is just this has really made my week and my month. Thank you, Lola. Oh, it's made mine as well. Um, <laughs> and, and when you get to your 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 uh, YouTube, let me know so that I can plug it for you. You and know, for you know. I'll you know I'll definitely plug you for sure for sure and also you guys I gotta celebrate we got to a thousand followers today so share it out share it out let everybody know we got to a thousand followers today as always I love you Hill Black Joy Tribe thank you for you know riding with me rocking with me thank you for believing in this concept thank you for believing in my passion about healing our Black Joy. Uh, I am I am on a quest to heal us and to help heal our black joy and get to a place of healing and to a place where we have sustainable joy, sustainable joy. Always remember that this healing journey, sometimes it's going to feel like soul food and sometimes it's going to feel like war. I urge you to acknowledge and honor both positions and everything in between. Thanks for tuning into the Hill Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War.